us uh, going on a rolling start. Is that okay? Absolutely. Terrific. Welcome everyone to Todd Talks. I'm delighted today to be joined by my friend, Fiona Bond. Fiona was raised in England and Great Britain and moved to Waco in 2009 from Scotland. Fiona received her Bachelor of Arts from Durham University at St. John's College and her Master's of Business Administration from Baylor. She and her husband, Dr. Bruce Longnecker, who happens to be a beloved friend of mine, is on faculty in Baylor's Department of Religion. And Fiona and Bruce have two grown sons, Callum and Torin, uh, remarkable young men. Fiona, before coming to Waco, served as the project manager for theology through the arts for the University of Cambridge. From 2005, she has served as director of the Third Sector Strategy and Projects. And then from 2015, Fiona has served as the founding executive director of Creative Waco. Fiona is a board member of Texans for the Arts and a commissioner for the Waco CVB Commission. She's published a book entitled The Arts in Your Church, a practical guide. We look forward to talking more about that. And then uh, most recently, Fiona was named the 2020 Wacoan of the Year by the Wacoan Magazine. Fiona, it is a joy to see you and I look forward to our visit today. Welcome and thank you. Thank you so much, Todd. It's an absolute honor to be here with you. Thank you. So Fiona, to get the ball rolling, as I understand it, and I need a greater understanding, but Creative Waco is Waco's local arts agency. It's somewhat akin to a council for the arts or an arts commission as I see it. So can you tell us a bit about uh, what motivated you to start this and inspired you in uh, the creation of Creative Waco for the Waco community? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great jumping off point um, because, you know, you were there the very first time Bruce and I visited Waco and, you know, it was kind of, it was love at first sight with this community. Both of us thought this was an absolutely terrific place. And I had worked in a number of communities. I've lived in five different countries and in each of those countries have had the privilege of seeing and sometimes being involved in cultural development and the kind of emergence and flowering of cultural and artistic programming. And when we arrived in Waco, I realized that there were two really interesting things happening, which kind of acted as a precursor to Creative Waco for me. One was that we really, uh, the community in Waco punches above its weight in terms of artistic and cultural expertise. We really have people who are world-class as musicians, theater people, filmmakers, artists, sculptors. Um, and yet for a long time, most of them were not necessarily orienting their practice and their reputation around coming from Waco. And Waco wasn't really capturing that as one of its kind of standout areas of expertise. The other thing that I saw um, when we arrived was that um, I very quickly learned Waco is really, really good at uh, conducting 
um, like master planning exercises. And it had gone through about a decade before we arrived of really interesting public consultation processes about what this community wanted to be next. And within every single one of those exercises, and they were conducted by Baylor, by the city, by the county, by neighborhood associations, uh, by the um, business community, every single one of them laid out ambitions that were cultural, creative, and artistic, but there was no agency tasked with implementing any of those ambitions. And so take those two things and what you had was essentially expertise without coherence that could be defining for this community. And then direction and ambition without any agency to implement. Um, so that was really the nugget of why Creative Waco was formed. There needed to be some kind of agency that could bring together coherently strategy, resources, ambition, infrastructure, and turn that into actual direction that was going to be meaningful for this community. Well, that's terrific. So this is a catalytic agency in so many ways. So Fiona, I want a good day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wonder, um, what are some of the present projects? How has COVID uh, in, in, in a way um, uh, kind of uh, put uh, a cloud over the work of Creative Waco. And as we're all beginning to see a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, what are some projects on the horizon uh, about which we can all get excited and rally around? I think like for many uh, spheres of activity, the pandemic has certainly presented an opportunity to recalibrate what's important. And, you know, I really hope that this will be such a defining moment for our generation, for our age, that it will really help force us to think about what is important as we emerge. Um, we don't necessarily want to go back to the same old because that was not perfect and was not necessarily a good way of being coherent, healthy community. And so, you know, in terms of what we're looking at, we, we certainly spent a lot of this last year just um, putting out fires um, that were caused by, you know, loss of income, loss of livelihood for artists, especially performers. But, you know, if we're looking at what do we orient towards next, then I think there's, there are a number of things that are very clear. In order to function as human beings in society, we need physical connection and we need connectivity. We see what happens to our society, our communities, our politics, when we don't have that kind of physical connection. And that's something that we have been craving during this time when it's been very difficult and dangerous to do that. So one of the things that we're looking towards is how do we physically connect our community in meaningful ways? Um, and then, also, how do we um, how do we look at um, you know take, taking that kind of landscape of possibility and opportunity for um, creating 
uh, I guess strategic direction is, is kind of the businessy way of thinking about it, but aspiration for our community. How do we collect the meaning of what just happened and put that into a framework that allows us to go on reflecting from and learning from the experience that we've just been through? So we're kind of taking that in two different directions. One is to look at public art and the creation of spaces in our community that are, we talk a lot about placemaking and about the role of the arts with other sectors in placemaking so that we are carving out spaces that people find meaningful and want to congregate in and that invite people of all kinds into and that people feel comfortable and safe interacting in. And also, you know, what kind of meaning do we put in those places in terms of public art, that kind of thing. Then how do we disseminate and educate and use that as an invitation, not just to enjoy what's being created, but also um, create creating opportunities for kids to interact, for people to, um, people to come together who don't normally find themselves in the same spaces, all of that kind of thing. So creative placemaking, public art, and um, the formation of a public art master plan for our community is one of the things that we're looking at. And also creating what many communities do, which is a percent for public art um, ordinance, which would allow us to have dedicated funding to make those kinds of things happen. So that's one of the things we're looking at. Another is that we are looking at physically bringing people together, um, which may seem like an odd thing to say, um, coming out of a, a time where that has been both difficult and dangerous to do. But I think it has really reinforced how important it is to do regularly. I mean, church, um, bringing congregations together physically, you just can't do church in the same way when you cannot physically bring people together. We can still be one body, many parts. We can still be the body of God, but to physically come together gives it a whole dimension that is irreplaceable. And so we are also looking at creating performance spaces in our, um, in our community, both indoor and outdoor, and how to um, activate those. That's terrific. Uh, there's a lot of hope on the horizon and we look forward to those gatherings and to uh, the beauty and the inspiration that arts uh, bring. Fiona, uh, it has been said that you consider this to be a formative and culturally defining time for Waco. Some have even called it a cultural renaissance for our city. Uh, what is it uh, that you see uh, and you've already alluded to this in the first question that makes Waco so special. But I also wonder what do you see going on that is exciting that gives you reason to think, ha, we're on the cusp of, of something really uh, significant and special here. Well, and I think that ties up very closely with the fact that through history, when we look back over our shoulders historically, we often see moments like the current moment as being very definitive culturally, um, very definitive in terms of, um, you know, the Renaissance itself came after a period of pandemic. And, you know, sometimes those darkest times in history have catalyzed the most incredible flourishing of human um, outpouring of both creativity and innovation. And I hope very much that we are at that 
point in for our own generation because it really seems like we need some kind of counterbalance to some of the bleakness and brokenness and discord and disconnect that we have seen during this time. But I do think as I look at Waco specifically, I see a willingness that maybe has not existed um, before. And, I, and this was certainly emerging before the pandemic. This is not a pandemic phenomenon, but a, a willingness to from people not just in the arts but people across the landscape of looking at what it is to have meaning as community to recognize how important the cultural arts sector is to living whole lives we know we have really robust research that shows that the correlation between artistic activity um, flows into things like economic growth, educational flourishing, the development of community and connectivity, even reductions in crime. And I think really for the first time in Waco's uh, planning um, for our future, we are seeing a grasping of this is really an important um, element of how we grow as a city and how we grow as a community. So that gives me real hope. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, as I, um, as I talked about before, we really have people in our community who have expertise, but also, uh, and global expertise, and global expertise in areas that I think speak very strongly to this point in time. Um, for instance, you know, Baylor has an amazing gospel music research program. And I think there's really, there's some really interesting and connecting work that can be done on the forefront of some of the art forms, particularly historically black art forms that can help us figure out connectivity driven ways to, um, to perform structural change. One of the superpowers of the arts is allowing us not just to analyze um, what is here and now and what has happened, but there is a, there is a discipline within the arts called pre-enactment where you can take um, creativity, innovation, imagination, and imagine how you want the future to look like, um, not just in terms of technological advancements, but in terms of um, social, spiritual, um, infrastructural advancements that, that help us live into what we could be as human beings. And so I'm excited that I think Waco is really well-placed to be at the forefront of that kind of pre-imagining who we want to be as humanity. I sometimes talk, you know, um, I, I have to um, credit Heidi, Heidi Hornick for first showing me an aerial photograph of Florence, Italy next to Waco, Texas. And they were, look remarkably similar from the air at least. Um, but that kind of gave me an aha moment because there was a time when Florence, Italy was not a cultural hub and was not a place that was known for that kind of um, flourishing of culture and creativity and yet it had all the right ingredients. Waco is at that point right now where we have this incredible intersection of expertise in many different spheres that puts us at that kind of potential for our generation and our time. We are geographically, economically, um, infrastructurally 
and educationally connected in a way that I think allows that spark to ignite. Yeah, that's terrific. So Fiona, um, one of the initiatives of Creative Waco has been in collaboration with others uh, within our city, uh, the creation of a cultural uh, district. And uh, since then, Creative Waco, under your leadership, has worked to make Waco a film-friendly, a music-friendly community. And I'm wondering, of course, uh, from uh, today, given COVID, uh, it's tough to kind of measure the impact. But as you think back kind of pre-COVID and you fast forward on the other side of COVID, what, what kind of impact do you see uh, this, this making and where do you see this going? What kind of traction is it gaining? You know, in some ways those are just labels, but I do think sometimes labels and signals and what we call things, and the Bible tells us that, right? You know, what we call things matter. And so the fact that we are now a state of Texas cultural district means we have amassed a coalition of the willing people who believe in the development of Waco as a cultural hub um, to enact strategic thinking and resource gathering around that vision. And it's the same for the film friendly um, and the music friendly designations. It means that we have tools in the kit for gathering people together to think about what does it mean to be more friendly to musicians and to be a place that cultivates the spectrum of music education to music industry connection for people who are musicians in any musical genre, for example. Um, it, it gives us a really good excuse to get people together regularly to think about and talk about these things. But it also provides a really important signal when our community wants to leverage um, resources, for example, from National Endowment for the Arts or Texans for the Arts, Texas Commission on the Arts or from Trust and Foundations. It means we already have, it's a little bit like when you pick something off the supermarket shelf and it says grass reared or organic. It means you already understand there is a process and a quality control and a kind of um, infrastructural credibility that has come together in order to give that label. And it's kind of the same for the cultural district, the music friendly, film friendly. There are practical things they give us. So if a filmmaker wants to come and make a film in Waco, they already have access to filming locations and expertise and that kind of thing. But it also is really valuable for signaling when we want to say, hey, Waco would be a great place for these resources to do this kind of experimental work. Um, it's a great way of signaling that we've already thought about the coherence, the strategy and brought together the people and resources to make that happen. Fiona, I wonder if I might be able to pivot just a bit, almost uh, kind of uh, drawing from some of your earlier work and your earlier experience, but I think it will be really of great interest to our audience. And I wanna chat with you for just a bit about uh, the intersection of and the mutually enrich, uh, enriching relationship between uh, theology on the one hand and arts uh, on the other. Uh, what role do you see, mutually beneficial role do you see uh, theology in conversation with the arts and the arts paying attention to 
uh, theological concerns and perhaps theological commitments. Uh, I wonder if you can just reflect uh, with us on that uh, for, uh, for a bit. This is, to me, this is absolutely fundamental to the why of what I do. This is, this is the, what I think about when I wake up in the morning, um, or at least try to, because to my mind, this is part of the whole Imago Dei conversation about who we are made in God's image. The very first thing we learn about the nature, nature of God, the very first thing we learn about God is God created. And the very first thing that we learn in the Bible about ourselves is we are created in that image. And of course, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk very compellingly about that being a reason that creativity should be at least part of who we are when we explore who, when we explore our faith and when we explore artistic output in relation to being people of faith. But I also want to think about that in the work that I do, the sibling kind of um, part of that call, which is to look for that divine spark in the connection that happens when I take time to connect with what it is that you are creating. So, you know, we're at a time which is so, um, so divided and disconnected that it seems to me that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're tempted to see people who don't share our politics, our language, our skin color as being other. And our invitation to connect through creativity in the arts is, I, th I think it's a God-given inoculation against the virus of misunderstanding and societal brokenness, the things that divide us. Um, we coined a term in um, at Creative Waker, which I don't know if other people use, but we call it willful understanding because we see so much willful misunderstanding and we try to practice willful understanding as both an artistic and a faith-based discipline. Um, but it's a way to intentionally glimpse the divine in people that are not like us through what they create and through trying to find the Imago Dei revealed in their God-given creativity and to make that part of our practice as an organization and as individuals. Because it seems that it's that kind of connection and the refusal to put someone aside as being them, not us. The, the absolute insistence to say, I will find that creative spark that is God given in you, no matter how hard I have to look. I think we need that kind of intentionality. And I think that that's one of the superpowers of the arts and that pursuit of, um, of trying to find ways that we can connect with people who are not like us by finding that spark in who they were created to be. So what I hear you saying, Fiona, is that in a very real way, arts can bridge divides. And instead of uh, uh, merely noticing and pointing out difference, uh, art can actually draw us together, even if it is only towards an object or a, um, a production or a product that is emerging that we can, at least for a moment, direct our attention towards, uh, towards that. And in that act, there is 
uh, unification. A hundred percent, but it takes more than simply the art itself. It takes the intention and the discipline within ourselves mm. to connect with it. Mm -hmm. um, we know that art can spark outrage. We know that a film or a book or a work of art, you know, sculpture, a monument, um, we've seen this. We can see the outrage that can be sparked by things that are creative output. And so I think what I'm saying is that there is a, um, not only is it about artistic output connecting us, that certainly happens. You know, the number of times I've read a book or watched a movie or encountered a work of art and, and thought, I think about this issue differently now. I've been given the privilege of seeing something through the lens of someone who is not like me and whose perspective is so different that it is challenged who I am and how I think. But I think there is a, there is a spiritual discipline of being willing to see something through someone else's eyes and not necessarily to be tempted down the route of outrage before we are willing to at least acknowledge what has been presented and, and invited into the space of considering what that means. That's very helpful. So Fiona, I'm gonna throw you a bit of a curveball, but uh, that, that's a baseball analogy, sorry. But, but I, 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 but I know you can hit it. Uh, and um, you know, Fiona, there are any number of folks that are listening and I think would very much like to uh, think more deeply about the connection of theology and the arts. I wonder, if there are particular authors or particular works that have been meaningful and foundational to you that you might share with us. I mean, obviously you yourself have written uh, a volume on uh, the arts in your church, <laughs> a practical guy. So that, quite may, all the time, yeah. that, that may be one place to start uh, to talk to us just a bit about that book. But maybe you can say, and Todd and all, here, here are some, some other things that you might take up and read because these can both uh, fuel and refine your own imagination uh, relative to theology and the arts. You know, I'm going to, um, I can certainly, you know, I'd be happy to share a list of things that have influenced me and you know they will go from uh, archaeological remains I mean some of the things that Bruce writes about I find incredibly compelling um, as you know just glimpses into another era and an, you know an invitation to think about what it was like to be an early Christian for example but I'm actually going to kind of pivot that round a little bit and say the people who are creating around each of us at this particular time are the people that we are inviting to or that we have the potential of inviting to influence us so you know if your great aunt Nelly plays the fiddle what does that mean to to you and who you are and to um your development as a Christian or as someone for whom that particular cultural influence is significant. Um, you know, we're all surrounded by, and we, we cannot avoid the, um, the drenching 
of popular culture that surrounds us all the time. And I know, um, you know, clickbait is literally only a click away. It is there all the time. And I think finding things that have meaning through the noise is often really difficult to do. And so, you know, at the moment, I'm trying to very intentionally read things and um, look at things and see things from a Black perspective, because the American Black perspective is one that has not been part of my cultural formation. Um, and I've really enjoyed intersecting with, you know, some of the visual artists and the, the, um, the artists, the two artists that painted the Obamas, I think are both incredibly interesting in this. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Ibrahim Kendi, I'm enjoying work by him right now. But, you know, I'd say, you know, that, that arcs back and forward for each of us in the things, the things that we most need to intersect with to tell us who we are and where we come from, but also who we're not and where we're going towards. That was a very um, that was a very unspecific way of answering what I think is a really interesting question. I'm really happy to provide a list, but I know I will leave out really important things. No, I, I absolutely <laughs> track. You. Um, there are those who are creating round about us. We do well to lift up our eyes, um, Fiona. Um, I wonder, maybe as we kind of move to a conclusion of our conversation. Um, a number of those who join us today are those who in one way or another have connections with local congregations. They themselves may be ministers or members and they love the arts, uh, whether it is um, visual art or musical art. Uh, and they would love to see uh, these uh, creative expressions brought to bear on their congregational life. Uh, and so uh, if you could just kind of, of um, uh, distill the arts for your church uh, in ways uh, that we could kind of parlay uh, into our own local congregations, what are a few suggestions that you might offer uh, for those who would like to, quote, make way for the arts in the life of uh, their local uh, their local places of worship? Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of takeaways that I think are kind of useful and relevant to any church. And I, I'm going to say I wrote the book when I was pregnant with Callum. So that kind of ages <laughs> so it, it somewhat. <laughs> and I don't think Facebook even existed pretty much at that time. So, um, you know, there, there are a few things that are a wee bit dated in there. Um, but I would say, you know, some things are very relevant. One is um, the arts are a wonderful invitation to bring a congregation outside its comfort zone. And to, um, you know, if you are really, if you are already really good as a congregation and as a church community at music, what kind of music, who, who is not represented in what you do? How could you invite that into something you already have expertise and knowledge in? in a way that allows your spiritual practice of that discipline to extend beyond and be invitational to a larger body of Christ. Um, so that's one thing, you know, but don't be afraid to let, to go slightly outside your comfort zone, but, you know, already within things that you know. Um, another I would say is let the arts be the arts. I have seen some really horrible examples of, um, it's, 
it's sometimes liturgical dance um, where it can be just so, um, I have to be careful here because, you know, who knows what people are practicing, but, um, you know, it can be very um, nervous about our incarnational being, you know, our, our, our nature as created in the image of God. We can be very nervous about the human body, for example. And so I would also say, um, let the arts be the arts and trust the creative process to be both theological and creative, rather than trying to shoehorn an artistic practice into simply serving, here's the three points we want this particular piece of dance to tell us that are in the sermon today. So, you know, let it be a way of using language that is not verbal to be part of the way that God speaks to us and helps us experience what it is to be, you know, fully, um, fully present to the many different ways that God can communicate with us. Um, and then the third one is very practical. I'd say pay artists because... <laughs> Every Christian artist I know, and I, when I say artist, I mean people from every artistic discipline, is in this incredibly awkward spot where they are often asked to do their thing that they do professionally to make a living for their family for free because it's for the church. And we don't ask our doctors or our lawyers to do that, or, or maybe we do, but I mean, that's, we, we usually give them a choice. Um, and it's really, it puts artists and musicians and creatives in an incredibly difficult spot when they are constantly being asked to do their thing for free because they enjoy it. Well, you know, my lawyer enjoys what she does and, and is very rarely asked to do her thing for free. So I, um, I want to make sure that we are recognizing the expertise and the years of study and discipline it takes to be really good as a creative and, and acknowledging that and resourcing that as the church. Yes, the arts enrich us, so don't impoverish those who enrich yeah. Uh, you know, uh, pay them uh, and, and do so generously. So Fiona, we're going to continue to keep our eyes on Creative Waco. And uh, we're going to continue to uh, do all that we can to uh, be uh, wind in you all cells. And I wonder, as we draw our time to a close, if you might have some actionable steps for folks who are listening today what can you do not only to support arts in your church, but to support arts in your community? And for us, that community is Waco. What can we do to support you and those uh, who are a part of your team and are a part of this uh, group of, of artists that have um, uh, come to Waco and have gotten established here? Mm. That's a great question. And thank you so much for, <laughs> for asking it. Um, there are a number of really practical ways. Um, I mean, the, the thing, the oxygen of recognition, appreciation, and also resources is truly what any kind of artistic pursuit needs. I do not know a single arts nonprofit that does not need donors. And so, you know, that would, that would always be there on the list. 
Um, but I would say, you know, find the find the things that are going on in your community. So in, in Waco, Creative Waco actually has a whole page of different calendars, ways you can access knowledge about everything from where can I go to listen to live music? I mean, obviously, at the moment, some of this is very limited because we're still in a pandemic. But, you know, give it a couple of months and hopefully there will be a lot more flourishing in all these areas. And there are actually people already doing live music gigs, um, you know, open mic nights, that kind of thing. Um, so find, find the things going on in your community and the things that already interest you and support them, be there, show up, pay for the ticket, um, bring your friends, tell other people about it make sure that you are participating in live productions and and you know being part of that scene whether you are a participant that is on the stage or painting the canvas or whether you're a participant that is going and viewing and engaging with I have never, even bad performances, and I've been to plenty of bad performances, I never come away not having learned or gained in some way, um, even if something is not artistically right at the kind of pinnacle. And truly, some of the most outstanding and enriching and theologically dense experiences I have had in the arts have been right here in Waco with things that were attended by 20 people. So there is, you know, there is an absolute wealth of experiences to be had if you are willing to, you know, take 10 minutes to look around at the what's on guide for your community. And then if anyone doesn't, you know, if, if anyone wants to know how to connect with our artistic community, um, you know, in a more robust way, please feel free to reach out to Creative Waco. We have so many ways to connect creatives, we have a lot of networking groups and all that kind of thing, professional development resources. Um, and then, you know, also just how to find out what's going on. So I would say definitely find the art form or the performers or the artists that you particularly resonate with and make a point of supporting them. Also invite them into your church and into your congregation. If they are already in that space of working at the intersection between faith and the arts, which often in this part of the world, people often are, you know, most of the other places I've lived, that's not necessarily the case, but here that certainly is. And, um, you know, usually that's a conversation worth having. And I do not know a single artist of any artistic genre who would not be happy to at least have that conversation of talking about the faith aspect of their work because they have to, living in this part of the world, they have to have that vocabulary to some degree. So, and those are fun conversations and we have many people in our community who are willing to have those conversations. Speaking of conversations, Fiona, thank you for this one. Thank you for your time, for the great work that you and your colleagues at Creative Waco are doing. Uh, this has helped us to think more carefully about the good and the beautiful and we're grateful for the work that you all are about day in and day out. And uh, I think now that we are all quite ready uh, to uh, support uh, the arts more robustly uh, in our community. And thank you for being at the Vanguard and uh, lighting the way for us to do so. 
Todd, may I give a quick plug for what I hope will be the very first post-pandemic event in our community? Perfect. Yes. Uh, it will be a wonderful way for people to connect with artists and creatives after this really long drought. Um, and that is uh, the weekend of Mother's Day, 8th to 9th of May, which is also the Baylor um, graduation weekend. There will be a, um, it's called Waco Town Chalk and Walk. So chalk art through the whole of the center of Austin Avenue with a large market of creatives. It's going to be food, art, fashion is the focus. And this will be all our small arts creators, craftspeople, um, vendors, all coming out en masse to reignite outdoor events in our community. Well, that's terrific. Uh, Carolyn and I will be there. And I hope that any number of others will be too. You can go out to Creative uh, Waco and find additional information, I assume. And yeah. Um, yes. yeah, and we look forward to uh, that event. And once again, Fiona, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to uh, seeing you in person in the not too distant future. Thank you so much, Todd. It's always wonderful to talk to you. You too. Have a good afternoon. You too. Bye for now.